Lord, we thank you for your people. Lord, we thank you for just another opportunity to worship and give glory and honor to your name. Lord, you're worthy to be praised. You're worthy of the glory. You're worthy. And Lord, we've come for no other purpose than to give you that which you already do. Lord, you woke us up this morning. Lord, you kept us in our right minds. Lord, you gave us strength for this day. Lord, you poured purpose into our lives. And for that, Lord, we just want to say thank you, Lord. Lord, we want to say thank you. For such purpose, Lord, we've entered into your gates with thanksgiving. We've entered into your courts with praise. We're thankful unto you, Lord, and we just want to bless your name. Lord, because you have been so good to us. Lord, you've been so good to us. Hallelujah, you've been so good to us. Lord, we don't deserve it. We don't haven't earned it. But yet, Lord, you've been so good. And for that, Lord, we're thankful and we're grateful on this morning. Lord, bless us throughout this service. Lord, someone came here with an unmet need, Lord. Lord, we know that you have the power to meet every need, Lord. Lord, you said you are our Father, Lord, and you will supply all our needs according to your riches and glory. Lord, we're declaring that needs should be met right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're declaring that households will be changed right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, health and financial situations. Lord, we're declaring that they'll be turned around right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, you have your way in this service, Lord. Have your way in your this moment, Lord. Have your way in us, Lord. Lord, that your perfect will may be done. And we ask all these things in our son Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Come on and give God some praise on this morning. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. We're grateful for each of you who've come to share with us this morning. And we're thankful for what God is doing for you and what he is continuing to do for you, for each of you that we have not seen. We're grateful to see you again and we've missed you. And we're always glad when you're in God's house with us, worshiping and praising God. Amen. We appreciate each and every one. Come on, give yourselves a hand. Praise God for each and every one of you who are here, who are with us and those who are listening. Amen. By way of social media, who are listening to us virtually for our virtual audience, we say thank you and praise God for you and pray God's choices, blessings upon you as well on this morning. We're going to the word of the Lord in St. John chapter 8, and we're going to be looking at verses 2 through 11. Again, that's St. John chapter 8, and we'll be looking at verses 2 through 11. Amen. Very passionate time. Amen. In our country, in our world, particularly even on this past week. Amen. But it's always good to make sure that our view aligns with what God says. Is that right? Amen. In all our speaking and all our saying and all our passions, let's make sure that we're also praying. Because if we're praying, God will always lead and direct us in the way that he'd have us to go. Amen. Amen. And we know that we are, our faith is not placed in man. But our faith is always placed in God. Amen. The word of the Lord in St. John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11, from the English Standard Version, it reads like this. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. 
So what do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Thought for this morning is a condemned woman. A condemned woman. And more specifically, how Jesus and how our Savior responds to the self-righteous among us. We find ourselves in a very contentious time in the world, in our country, in a time where there are a lot of passions about what is right. And it seems like people tend to have hard passions about things that are wrong that they do not do. It's easy for you to vocalize your opposition to adultery and fornication when that's not your problem. It's easy to voice your opposition uh, to homosexuality as sin when that's not your issue. But we all among us have problems that we're dealing with. I think we said the other Sunday, I said, we said, we're all working on something. Oh, come on, remind your neighbor, point at him and say, you're working on something. (laughs) You're working on on something. We're, We're all working on something. And I told you, even as your pastor, presume until a fiery chariot or a whirlwind is waiting on me on the outside to take me up to heaven, that I'm also working on something. We're all working on something. So we have to reserve our passions that we often direct at other people inward. The same passion that you have to tell somebody else is wrong, you ought to direct it inside and say when you're wrong, when you need to apologize, when you need to repent, when you need to get it right. Because all the energy that you're expending on someone else is best directed at yourself. And if you need to say it out loud, then just get in front of the mirror and point at yourself. And that is the best use of the energy you have at telling someone that they're doing wrong. Because working on my old style salvation is a 24-7 project, something that I need to continuously work on. And if, you don't th- if you're not very moved by my particular view on the matter, then let's look at how Jesus responds to the self-righteous. His first response in this passage, and I want you to get with me because we won't be long before you long this morning. His first response was silence. He said nothing at all. Nothing at all to those who had accused him. And, I, and I, I, I have to break this down because ever since God gave it to me, I have to say this. It, it's, it, it, it bothers me. It's a little creepy, as they, the, the young people might say, a little sus, a little suspect. As to how the men caught this woman in the act of adultery. Little, little let, let, let's be real about it. It's, It's a little suspect 
as to how they caught her in the act of adultery. Because that means somebody had to be looking in somebody's windows. Somebody had to be peeking behind somebody's drapes. Somebody, somebody had to push a sash or something to the side to catch her in the act of adultery. In fact, uh, the, our, our judicial system might say it was entrapment. They were, they were waiting for an opportunity to catch her in the act, and they were really setting her up for such. But these men, it, it, they were engaged in entrappery. They were engaged in, in, in an action where they were trying to catch someone else in sin. And just think of amount, the amount of planning and energy and coordination it took just for them to catch her. I'm just thinking that same amount of coordination and, 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 and skill and time should have been spent on themselves. Because in the same, all, think of all the time it took for them to entrap her and how quickly Jesus responded to their entrapment. And we'll get there in a moment. His first response was silence. He said his first response was nothing at all. He didn't say anything to them. He was down on the ground writing, and I'm always an inquisitive person. I would love to know what Jesus was writing. But he was writing on the ground, and when they first spoke this to him, he did not respond. He continued what he was doing. If you ever have an advocate, if you ever have an attorney, they'll tell you the first thing you need to do is shut up. You know, that, that's the first thing. If you, you get an attorney, the first thing he's going to tell you is shut up, he or she. They're going to say, shut up, stop talking. Because we know we have an advocate with the Father. So the first response to those accusations, to us personally, we need to be silent. We need to stop talking. Just because someone has said something does not mean you need to respond. I wish that they should have made that a commandment. (laughs) Just because someone said something, just because somebody put your name in their mouth, Just because they're talking about your business, just because they mentioned you on social media or they didn't say your name, but you know they're talking about you. I wish I knew. But but just because that has occurred, it's happened, does not mean that you are required to respond. Jesus' first response was silence. And I call it a response because Jesus wasn't deaf. And greater than that, not only was he not deaf, he already knew what was in their heart. You know, Jesus, sometimes he would respond to what the Pharisees were thinking. (laughs) You know, sometimes it would say it this way. Jesus, knowing what was in their heart, would then speak. Jesus already knew what was in their heart. So before they even opened their mouth, he knew what they were going to say. And he chose not to respond. Or better yet, his response was silence. Every situation does not require you to shoot off at the mouth. It's okay, even in the area of social media, it's okay to have private thoughts. It's okay to have private thoughts. The reason I know it's okay to to have private thoughts is because every single one of you who have social media have looked on someone's page and they shared something and your thought was, why did they share this? Why are they telling us this? This is not our business. 
Sometimes they say ignorance is bliss. Sometimes not knowing is more blissful. Have you ever heard something and then you wish immediately that you did not know it? (laughs) Ever seen something and immediately wish that you had not seen it? Sometimes not knowing is a blessing. I wish we could share that. Even in the area of social media, sometimes not knowing is a blessing. You don't have to, there, it's still okay to have private thoughts and you don't always have to shoot off at the mouth. And when I thought about it, I thought of this, this Will Smith movie. He had a supervisor and he was a cowboy and his supervisor told him, he said, every situation does not require for you to shoot first, shoot second, shoot some more. And then after everybody's dead, try and take, ask a question or two. But he was basically saying, don't be so reactive. And maybe Will Smith could have use that advice personally too. But, um, <laughs> but every situation does not require you to immediately respond. Oh, come on, somebody say amen in here. It does, does not require for you to immediately respond. And sometimes it's the trick of the enemy that the information that is being provided is not for the sake that it's true. It's for the sake of getting a response. How many times? I know I got a teacher out there. Sometimes you have a student and you keep telling that student, baby, it's not a matter of them liking you or not liking you. They're saying things so that you will respond. They're trying to trigger you. They're trying to trigger a response out of you. And sometimes, and I get this, remember, some of the people who are around us, they're unwittingly agents of the devil. And what the devil is doing is putting words in their mouth and they don't even realize that they're agents of the devil. That he's putting words in their mouths to trigger you to get you off of your position or your spot that you occupy with God. To cause you to come out of yourself. To cause you to come out of that position even to witness to other people who are around you. They're trying, he's trying to trigger you so that you'll shoot off at the mouth and let them know you know four-letter words too. Shoot off at, at the mouth so, so that you can become angry and upset and get outside of who you are. That's all the devil wants is you to come outside of who God has created you to be. And it's easy to do that because our flesh still lives in us. The devil's not trying to trigger who God made you to be. He's trying to trigger the, the flesh that still lives in there too. It's like when, he, when he's messing with you, he, he, he's knocking on your flesh, knocking on the door of your flesh. I know you in there. I know you in there. I'm trying to get you to come out. And we have to understand this when we hear certain things. We have to understand who we are. We have to understand who God desires us to be. We have to understand that every day is a struggle and we're striving to be more like Jesus. And we have not gotten there yet. We haven't gotten there yet, baby. You and, and you're not and you're closer to getting out of that than you think. You think you're all holy and sanctified. All it has to do, the right set of circumstances come together and you'll fall out of who you are. And that's what we have to be on guard against. You don't have to respond to everything. Point at somebody and say, you don't have to respond to everything. God is saying, hold your peace. And let the Lord fight your battles. Every situation does not require you to prove, Come out, and I'm talking to my ethnic people, you don't have to prove that you're louder than they are. Oh, you loud? I, I can get loud too. Come on now. You don't have to prove how loud you can get. 
You tell my business, girl, I know your business too. Every situation does not require you to prove how loud you can get, uh, how much of your business that you know. You have to understand your position. Every day we're fighting. Get this. Every day you, you have a position, but that's not a permanent position because you can easily evacuate or step out of that position. A lot of times we abandon our position that God gave us, and that's all the devil has to do to you. You don't have to turn your back on God. All he has to get you to do is abandon your position. And if you abandon that position, then you're going to miss your blessing. And if you miss your blessing, then you become discouraged. And then when you become discouraged, you fall further and further away. I have to understand. Lord, when you get up in the morning, I'm praying, Lord, help me to defend the position that you gave me. Defend your position. And what does the Bible say about your position? God says, take into thee the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand so that I might be able to stand and defend the position that God gave me. Some of you all don't even understand. You think you're nothing, but there are some people who, who are envious after you. They're envious after, not, and sometimes you're like, well, I don't have that much money and I, I, don't, have, I don't have much of this. Some of them are envious of your reputation that you have amongst, amongst people. They're envious of how other people look at you. And that's why they talk about you. They know talking about you is not going to take any money away from you. Talking about you is not going to take away where you live or what you have. But talking, away, or talking about you might chip away at your reputation. And that's a lot, what a lot of people are after. They're after how other people perceive you. Have you ever met, tried to meet somebody for the first time? And I know this happened. This happened to me. I was about to meet somebody for the first time. I got a teaching position in a new school. And before I even met this person, somebody else was telling me how I shouldn't like them. All right. Hold, hold on now. You, you tried to cause us to have a contentious relationship before I even meet them. Give me a chance. to I haven't even got a chance to say hi to them and you're telling me I shouldn't like them. Don't feed into that. That's nothing. That, baby, that's nothing but the devil. It's nothing but the devil. That's the work of the devil and that, what they're trying to do is chip away at a, the reputation of a person that you have not met because I want you to reverse the whole situation and think of that person not telling you about them, but think of that person telling that another person about you. Oh, girl, you're not going to like her. You know, don't, don't even fool with her. I, I, I wouldn't even tell her any of my business. She, you know, they're, they're, they're chipping away at somebody else's reputation. So be careful when you engage in that because that's what the devil ex- wants to do to you. The exact same thing he wants to do to you is chip away at your reputation, chip away at your position in God. God is saying, hold your peace. He said, and for those who have done you wrong, he said, you still don't have to speak. For vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. And oftentimes we miss out on our opportunity and our blessings. We miss out on God moving on our behalf is because we intervene ourselves. God's like, you move. And God said, okay, I guess you don't need me. You got this handle. You're dealing with it by yourself. Why do I need to intervene if you're going to act on your own behalf? 
And at some point, we are losing by trying to take hold of something that God says, I've already got this. I've already got this. I'm, I'm handling this for you. But what God does, God does not force himself on us. Sometimes he lets us have it. All right, you want it. Then I'm going to let you have it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and allow God to intervene on my behalf because whatever God does, God's going to do it much bigger than I am. I wish I had some, some wind. How, however God moves, it's going to be much bigger than how I move. That's why even when we pray, sometimes we pray too small, but we need to allow the Holy Spirit to make intercession for us. And we need to say, Lord, let thy will, thy will be done because some, sometimes we pray too small. Sometimes we're praying for a raise when God is looking at a promotion. And sometimes we're looking for a promotion and God is seeing a whole other job with a whole other level of responsibility and a whole other level of salary. We're asking for God to pay this bill and God's he's looking at making a, a financial earthquake in your life where he is changing the, the landscape of even what you're looking at. Sometimes we're praying, we're praying too small. We're asking for God to be out of pain while God is looking for a complete healing. I told you, when the man came to God and he came to Jesus and he was like, I need you to come heal my daughter who is sick. And when he went to heal his daughter who was sick, then they found out she was dead. And then he said, don't trouble him anymore because his level of what he thought God could do was only healing. He did not know that Jesus had resurrection power. And he didn't know he didn't have the ability to revive that thing from, from, from the dead. And something right now in your life is sick, but God's going to bring it back, back from the dead. <laughs> something that you think that, that, that cannot be revived. God said, I have resurrection power in me to fully bring that thing back to life. He asked the prophet, he said, what do you see? He said, I see a valley of dry bones. God said, I see an exceeding great army. And when he spoke to the bones, the bones had to come together and rise up even at the word of the Lord. We're praying too small. So sometimes we just need to let God do it. Let God do it. Let God fix it. Let God turn it around. Let God change some minds. Let God, God will change the whole. God, God Joshua was, was telling him even when he was fighting, he said, stand still there, son, over the valley of Agilon. As he began to fight over the enemies and the sun stood still in the sky to the ethic request of Joshua. I'm telling you, God will move heaven and earth to make sure that his children have what they need. Stop praying so small and stop intervening in situations that God already has handled. I'm pointing at somebody and say, let God do it. Point at somebody else and say, let God do it. Take your hands off of it. In fact, take your mind off of it. Stop worrying about it. That, that problem that I had, I just couldn't seem to solve. I, I kept praying and praying and got deeper involved, but I turned it over to Jesus. I stopped worrying about it. I, I gave it to the Lord and he worked. He worked it out. So that because God's working it out, then I don't have to respond to everything. 
I don't have to speak to everybody who talks about me. Uh, I don't have to address everybody who looks at me sideways. I don't have to worry about every situation that comes in my direction because I am occupying a position in God and whatever I can't handle by myself. I know my God's got it. Somebody say God's got it. We told Israel, the battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. Let God handle it. And then I have to give you this when you let God handle it. It reminds me of another movie that I watched and it was two brothers and one of, one of the men offended one of the brothers and he was about to hit him. And his other brother said, don't you hit him. He said, I'm going to hit him. <laughs> and when I think about it, I think about God. There's sometimes that we're trying to respond and you try to get in God saying, hold on, don't you hit him. I got this. I'm handling this. I'm in control of this situation. Don't you hit it. God's got this. The second thing that Jesus did, not only was he silent, but he bent down on his knees. And, and whatever your stillness will not fix, prayer will. Whatever your silence will not fix, I wish I had help here, prayer will fix it. So while you're expending your energy trying to respond, you ought to spend that same amount of energy and that same amount of time on your knees and, and know that prayer will fix it. Prayer will fix it. And while you're praying, and this, this, this is another level of prayer, and, and, and I know my older saints have gotten this, because when you get to a certain age, when you pray, you even pray for the folks who are trying to hurt you. Because see, now we, we they kind of use it as a they kind of use it as an insult, and uh, in the South particularly, they'll just say something to you it's like they'll say, "Well, Jesus, you you help them. <laughs> Jesus, you fix God, Lord, Lord bless them." <laughs> but 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 it should be intentional. When someone offends us, we really ought to pray for them. Because when we pray for them, some, I've told you, some of the people that you think are your worst enemies could be your best friend. It, all it has to do is a change has to occur in their heart. And when their heart connects to God and your heart is already connected to God, don't ever dispose of them and put them away because you never know. You might be the greatest witness in their life. Some of them who you think are trying to offend you might be testing you and they might be wondering and they might be curious that is God really so deep in them that even when I hurt them, they speak good of me. Even when I say ill of them, they still pray for me. I'm telling you, when you get to that level, when someone comes against you, just keep praying for them. Say, Lord, you touch them. Lord, you bless them. And, and while you're touching them and bless them, Lord, I know you're going to fix this whole situation. We have to get to a level that we pray for those who hurt us. That's what the word tells us, who, who despitefully use us, who, who speak ill against us. We need to learn to pray with for them. And let me tell you, when you got to the point where you can pray for them, that means they can't disturb your peace. <laughs> when you're at a point where you can pray for them, that means everything they tried to do to get you off kilter, to cause you to move out of your position and out of your spot, did not disturb your peace. You're just saying, oh, Lord, bless them. 
But I, I, I can say, Lord, bless them with a smile because they tried it and they failed, but they did not disturb my peace because no weapon which is formed against me shall prosper. And, and I know that all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord, who are called according to his name. That means people can talk about me and I can pray for them. People can work against me and I can pray for them and not allow their efforts to disturb my peace. When you get to a certain age and you get to a certain level, you recognize your peace is more important than a lot of other things. I'd rather have peace in a lot of cars. I'd rather have peace in big homes. I'd rather have peace in a lot of money because a lot of people who have all those other things would, would cash all that in just to have a little peace. So I understand that I have to protect my peace and I protect my peace with prayer. I protect my peace by not involving myself in every argument. Baby, if you want to argue, you can find a way to argue every day, I guarantee you. If you're surrounded with enough people, you'll find a way to argue every day if that's what you want your life to be like. If that's what kind of life you want, you can find a reason to argue every day. And I'll tell you this, you can also find a reason to pray every day. And if you find a reason to pray every day, you'll find out you'll have more peace than you do if you try to argue with everybody you see. You have more peace if you try, instead of trying to shout down everybody who side-eyes you or, or says a word against you while you're not present. You have more peace if you learn to pray instead of responding. Bent down on his knees in prayer, and the next thing he did is he kept writing. Kept writing on the ground. Didn't say anything, got down on his knees and kept writing. And I come to tell you, you need to just keep working. When someone talks against you, just keep working. Keep doing the will of God. Don't stop because somebody criticized you. Don't stop doing God's will and stop doing God's work because somebody talked about you. See, that's another trick of the devil. What he does, he, they criticize you and then you stop. And then that's all the devil wanted. He wanted you to stop. He wanted you to get discouraged. So you would stop. He wanted you to feel insulted so that you would stop. He will, in fact, this is another way you stop and you don't realize you stop. You don't intentionally stop working, but rather you start trying to get back at that person. And while you're trying to get back at that person, guess what you've done? You've stopped working. You've stopped doing what God told you to do because now you're spending your energy worrying about what they think. You're spending your energy trying to get back at them. Whatever you do when they insult you, when they talk about you, when they come against you. Just like Jesus gives in this example. Just keep on working. Keep on doing what God has told you to do. Nehemiah had many enemies while he was working on the wall, but he didn't come down from the wall. Because God has assigned me to this position. And I think, I think sometimes it's a failure to understand where we are. What you're doing is not unimportant, but God has assigned you to where you are. God has assigned you to the people who are around you. God has assigned you to those people who are watching you, who even never say a word to you. God has assigned you to them. I want you to understand that you're all under assignment. Say that with me. Say, I'm under assignment. I'm under assignment. I'm on an assignment. I, I'm on God's assignment. And because I am a, on assignment, because I'm on the wall, I don't have time to step off the wall and correct you about that business of mine that you're not even talking right about. 
talk, trying to talk bad about me, and that, that's not even what I said. My wife and I laughed, but there was somebody who was so busy gossiping about some car somebody had that they, they didn't even look at the, wor- the words right on the back of the car, and they're they, they out there gossiping on somebody, and that wasn't even the name of the car. <laughs> car was like a Meridian, and somebody thought it was a Mercedes girl. They done got a Mercedes. I'll tell them the wrong thing. But I don't have time to get off the wall and correct you because you're wrong because I'm on assignment. Don't have time for that. Tell them about my kids and what they do. Don't have time to correct you talking about my kids. I'm going to stay on the wall because I'm on assignment. Don't have time to, to, to deal with you talking about my business because I'm on assignment. And what the devil wants me to do is come off the wall and correct you because while I'm off the wall, I'm not working. And I've abandoned the work. And now you know what? I've allowed your mouth to cause me to be disobedient because I have abandoned my assignment. And remember what God told Saul? Has God has great delight in sacrifices than obedience? It's more important for me to be obedient than it is for me to go correct every assumption that you have about me. I'm not chasing down social media. Girl, boy, you could spend all your day and all your night trying to chase down something somebody subliminally talked about you on Facebook or social media. Girl, I heard she said this, and you over there checking the page. I'm scrolling. I ain't found it yet. I'm scrolling. Well, I heard, I heard it, she actually reposted something that somebody else said. Okay, well, I need to check her page, and so now you're scrolling, and you not on assignment. You've come off the wall. You've abandoned what God told you to do, and now you're being disobedient to the command of God because you need to stay on the wall. Point at somebody and say, stay on the wall. Stay on the wall. Stay on your assignment. You don't have to respond to everything somebody's saying and doing against you because when you do it, you fall into disobedience. And then after you spend all night scrolling Facebook, and then you're like, girl, it's 11 o'clock. I was supposed to be. See, you were supposed to be. Supposed to be. But now you've come off the wall. The final thing, and it's just because... And remember, I want you to get this on on your assignment, too. Even Jesus said this. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day for the night cometh when no man can work. Don't think you have an unlimited amount of time to complete your assignment. Don't waste one day. You have to keep on working. The final thing, Jesus spoke to him. They kept bothering him. And finally, Jesus said to him, he said, he who was without sin, he stood up for a moment. He said, he who is without sin amongst you, you be the one who throws the first stone. And you know what? (laughs) This is what I like about it because I want you to get this because it's so important and integral to what I just told you about staying on your assignment and continuing to work and to staying on the wall. It says Jesus stood up, said he was without sin, cast the first stone. And you know what it says next Jesus did? Jesus bent that down on the ground and kept writing. He got back on the wall. He stayed on his assignment. He he didn't allow them to prevent him from completing that which he desired and was designed to do. And And when I reflect on my life, who do I have the authority to condemn? 
What, what, what have I done in my life that gives us the audacity to accuse somebody else? And when I, and even this, when I witness for Christ, I don't point out what somebody else has done wrong. I don't point people to me. I point people to Jesus. Uh, they keep looking at me. They're going to find fault. They're going to find something wrong. But I'm going to keep pointing to Jesus. I don't point to the law. I don't point to other people. I point people to Jesus. Tell somebody touch your neighbor and say, point at somebody and say, you need to point to Jesus. Point to Jesus. And even in your witnessing, we need to make sure that we're not pointing to ourselves or pointing to others. But in all things, all things, we're pointing to Jesus. The thing about it is this, what happened here is that when Jesus said, he was without sin, cast the first stone. This is the first time, the first time they began to reflect on themselves. They should have been reflecting on themselves when they hatched a plan to look in a woman's window and get behind her blinds and try and see what she's doing in her bedroom. Somebody might should have said, oh, well, we might need to mind our business. <laughs> Somebody saw Somebody should have said, and then another person might would have said, well, if you look at me in my bedroom, come on now. <laughs> you, look, you look behind my curtains. I wish I had help here. Might find that I haven't always done what was right either. Somebody should have gotten to that point. But Jesus says to him, nobody condemns. The, it says from the least to the, from the greatest to the least of them. And all that means is, and you see that in the English Standard Version, all that means is the oldest because that's how they honored each other by, by age. The oldest to the youngest of them left one by one, recognizing the error of their ways, recognizing their, their, their inability to reflect on their own faults or their own wrong. And, this is a very self-righteous age because a lot of people, especially you don't know them face to face. We don't speak to them particularly. You don't know them on social media. So people can act self-righteous on social media, act like they've, they've done nothing wrong, act like they're not at fault, act like they've never committed sin, act like they've never done anything wrong in their lives. And it's easy for them to judge other people. If it was social media they, and they could throw a virtual stone, they would have been throwing virtual stones at this lady. Because when you're hiding behind a, a fake picture and a, a, and, 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 and a false name, you can pretend like you're greater than you are. But when you stand before God for yourself, <laughs> you have to know that you have to understand your own faults and your own wrongs. And if anybody's going to repent, God, it's not my mother, it's not my brother, not my sister, Lord, but it's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of repentance, standing in the need of prayer, standing in the need of salvation, standing in the need of forgiveness. I can't call anybody else's name, Lord. I have to call my name first. If anybody needs to repent, Lord, Stands in the need of repentance. The beautiful thing about this is Jesus, he said, where are your accusers? Where are those 
who would condemn you? Where are they? The woman says, and he says, is there anyone left to condemn you? And the woman says, no, Lord. No, Lord. None are left to condemn. And the most important person in the whole place, Jesus, he speaks to the lady. He says, neither do I condemn you. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus is saying, I don't condemn you. So if Jesus doesn't condemn her, who am I? That's a question that maybe we, this, we need to ask more often before we speak. We need to ask this question more often before we post. Who am I? to condemn her who am I to condemn God's child who am I to condemn God's chosen who am I reminds me of the story of Balaam and I'm finished but you remember Balaam remember he had the the donkey and the, the people that asked advice of him some of the kings around around Israel in the promised land, they were wanting to find somebody who would curse the children of Israel. Remember, he was on his donkey and he was on his way to meet those kings. And then his donkey just ran to the side and at some point even crushed his leg against the wall. And he didn't understand, but they found out he didn't see it. But there was an angel with a sword drawn standing in the way, preventing him from going to see them. Finally, when God allowed Balaam to speak to those other kings who wanted to curse Israel, he said, I've tried. He said, I've requested and each time I talk to God, he won't allow me to curse them. How can I curse? How can I condemn who God himself has blessed? So you might not have everybody else's approval. Everybody might not speak well of you. Somebody might talk about you behind your back, but they don't have the authority to condemn or curse that which God has already declared is blessed. Somebody say, I am blessed. Oh, come on, stand to your feet and say, I am blessed. God has blessed me. God has called me. God has chosen me. I am a child of God. I am a child of the King. Nobody has the authority to curse. Nobody has the authority to condemn. I even dare say they don't even have the authority to accuse that which God has already blessed. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise in this house. Come on and give him some praise. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this moment. To remind us that even in our at our worst, God, you still gave us your very best. You gave us your son that we might be absolved and, and healed from all of our sin and all of our iniquities. And for that, Lord, we just say thank you. Lord, even as we walk this walk, Lord, there are those who will speak against us. There are those who will talk down to us. There are those who will accuse us. There are those who will attempt to condemn us, Lord. But we walk not in our own authority, but we walk in your authority. 
Lord, we are a child of the king. Lord, we are the head and not the tail. Lord, we are above and not beneath. Lord, even at your declaration, Lord, you wish above all things that we may prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. Lord, we're walking in only in the authority that you gave us. So, Lord, not only will we not be concerned about those who accuse us, but, Lord, let us not be guilty of trying to accuse and condemn anyone else because, Lord, they still belong to you. Lord, as we walk in that authority, Lord, as we walk in the knowledge of who you've created us to be, Lord, as we attempt to be the person and, and walk in the, in the authority that you gave us, Lord, exercising the dominion that we have through Jesus Christ, help us to reach out a hand to our brothers and our sisters. Lord, by this shall all men know that we are your disciples because we have love one to another. Help us to give them a hand to lift them to raise them so that we might all be who you called us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And God bless you. Come on, put those hands together. For those of you who've been watching us virtually, we praise God for you until we shall see you again. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by... Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity. And we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.